So I want to talk tonight uh, about the topic of con conquering captivity. As Pastor Sean and Pastor Edwin have been talking over the past few weeks, uh, on Sunday they talked, they started a series called God's Supernatural System of Supply. And then on Monday, Pastor Sean, doing strategies for success, talked about partnering with God to build wealth. And then Tuesday, Pastor Edwin yesterday came up with navigating excellence, right? He talked about the seven strategies or habits uh, to fuel, fuel greatness. And so the thing that I want us to realize is that all of this word is great, but word by itself doesn't change your life. Because if that was the case, everybody in the church would be healed. Everybody in the church will be delivered. Everybody in the church will be debt free. Everybody in the church will be walking in wholeness. The fact that that isn't true is indication that the word alone does not produce an outcome that lines up with the Bible. It is the application of that word. It's the word that you believe and you receive into your heart, you believe to be true, and then you implement. That is what produces change in your life. And the thing that I've been meditating on lately, and just as I was praying about what to teach on Wednesday night, is that the enemy has lulled a lot of people to sleep in a sense that you're, uh, and I'll put, you can put that quote up, say it. It says a familiar captivity is frequently more desirable than an unfamiliar freedom. And so our, at FOC, we teach freedom. We teach you to walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every area of your life. And that prosperity is what we call TLP, total life prosperity, meaning you have more than enough in every area of your life. That means that you don't, you're not just wealthy, but your relationships are whole. Not that you're just not wealthy and got good relationships, but you're holding your body, right? You have a great career. Your businesses are prospering. You're prospering in your mind. And so that's what total life prosperity means. But if you're not careful, what will happen is you'll let the familiarity of your situation hold you captive and you'll begin to see freedom as this thing unattainable because of what it requires to get there. And so that's what I want to address tonight. There's no better way to understand, and before we get into it in depth, let me give you an example or, or talk, a premise for understanding. Anything in this world could be normalized if you gradually ease into it. Anything that is completely ridiculous, violent, abusive, no matter how preposterous, can become normal, right? If we are slowly and gradually exposed to it over time without experiencing any alternatives or new information. And so all that saying is, if you're not careful, the very thing that God told you not to do can become your normal day to day habit over time if you don't have a boundary up. If you're not noticing that thing, it says it begins to define our reality and eventually prevents us from imagining possibilities outside the realm of what feels familiar. Nobody wakes up and says, I want to be in an abusive relationship and stays there. Nobody wakes up and says, oh, I want to be a drug addict. Nobody wakes up and says, I want to be broke the rest of my life. Nobody's waking up and said, I want to be sick. But the thing is that you have been trapped and sickness has become normalized for you. Uh, poor relationships have become normalized. Being broke has become normalized. Having a uh, mental illness in your family, that has become normalized. And so over generations of time, the enemy has caused one generation to accept something, then the next generation to accept something. And before you realize it, you got a whole family that's suffering from an illness because they have normalized the fact that they are now, this is what we live by. Like in my family, everybody I knew that was older than me almost had diabetes. And so it was one of those things and you fill out these little things at the doctor's office, say, what's your family history and all of this and you and it becomes normalized. I take the shot just like my daddy took the shot. I take a pill just like my mama took a pill. And that becomes the thing that's normalized, but that's not what the word of God tells us that we can have. 
But if you're not careful, we'll run away from freedom because freedom may require us of something that we're not willing to give up, such as eating a certain type of food. Well, you know, the Lord said that he'll heal us, but I don't know why I'm healed. He keep telling you to give up chicken, but you won't. And your, your willingness with familiar uh, captivity, your willingness to stay in captivity has to do with that you see freedom as something that takes from you instead of something that brings it to you. All right. So here's an example. Have you ever put a restless baby to sleep? I know I got three kids over here. I mean, if you've ever put a restless baby to sleep, you understand that the baby didn't want to go to sleep. All right. They didn't want it. However, what happened? As I grabbed, I'm thinking about Ava, right? When she's really tired and she's restless and she's fighting and crying and she don't want to go to sleep because she want to do something else. I just say, come here, let daddy hold you, right? And then after I hold her, she settles a little bit. And then I start, I may rock her, or I may pat her when she was a little baby and then she'll just feel more calm. And then, you know, you start humming. I can't, I'm not a singer, so I may start humming. And before you know it, those blinks get longer and longer and longer. And she give in to the thing that she didn't want. Why? Because through small, deliberate actions, you find yourself doing something that you may not have intended to do at all. So you never intended to have that affair. You never intended to uh, steal that money. What happened was that you looked over the small deliberate, the small little actions that lulled you into a position and you had more pride and you thought more highly of yourself than you ought to and you didn't have clear boundaries set up and you found yourself getting into a situation and fully engulfed because why? Small, deliberate actions. That's what the enemy uses. It says he looks, he runs to and fro uh, around the earth looking to see who he can divide, right? Small, deliberate actions. And so over generations and generations, people have suffered from sickness and disease. And the next generation has accepted sickness and disease. People have suffered from poverty and ignorance. Right. And the next generation where well, mama did this and, and grandmama did this. And so what the enemy does is that he says, look, I may can't drive this generation into the ground, but I can plant seeds of poverty in this generation. And what they'll do, they won't live to their maximum. And so now that, that when their kids come up, then I can keep them from living in their maximum because they'll only see what they thought what their mother saw, what their father saw. Here's a good example. When I grew up, I saw a lot of broken marriages. That was the norm for me. It was a norm to go to school and our, my friends, none of our biological dads stayed in the same house with us. But see, what happened was we broke that norm. April and I broke that norm. That deliberate act of broken marriage has been broken. All my kids know is daddy being here. All my kids know is a two-parent household. Our tribe, Coach said, Coach uh, Kale, Val, that's all they know. Why? Because when you become deliberate in your actions to walk out freedom, you change generations. And so if the enemy can get me to settle to not become a millionaire, if the enemy can get me to settle to accept diabetes, if the enemy can get me to settle to just say, oh, everybody got to die or something, so it'll be high blood pressure for me. If the enemy can just get me to settle and, be, and take this captivity to something familiar and own it for myself, then he can change generations because of my lack of willingness to run out the freedom. And so here's the thing, even our, even our country, even our country has had deliberate acts to keep minorities and things like that from accessing the same things as people in the majority. So government, politics, all of those are deliberate acts to keep us captive. And if we accept that, oh, I'm a black man, so I can't do this. Well, I'm a black woman. I can't do that. Well, you are a child of God. So why can't you do it? If the Lord says it can happen for you, it doesn't matter your race, your sex, 
your, your the amount of money you have or anything else. But if you accept cap, that captivity, if you accept that limit, if you become familiar with something, then that's what you got. That's what you're going to live like because that's what you're going to believe. And what you believe, you produce. So who's going to put an end to captivity by refusing to become familiar and refusing to accept that? And so that's what we got to do, because when I hear Pastor Sean them teaching the word and I hear Pastor Edwin teaching the word, when I hear them talking about supernatural system of uh, supply and then you got that feeling. See, a lot of people think that having a lot of money is ick. Right. Having and I'll be honest, I used to be one of those people. I grew up in Prescott, Arkansas, small town. And I'm like, you don't take you don't need all that money. Why? Because before you realize it, you're captive to a thought process that now holds you in bondage to receive from receiving what God wants you to have. I grew up poor. We had enough money to take care of the house, but we didn't have a lot of money for anything else. And so what I understood is that, hey, every Friday, I need to spend as much money of my check as I can because on Monday or on Saturday, I got to go. Pay, I mean, I got to pay bills. And so before you knew it, I was a full grown adult making money. And then I'm but the habits of my childhood followed me. I was spending money that I didn't even have to spend. I was going out to eat every Friday, all because of a childhood thing. And so what we don't understand is, is that those things there are captive, the way you spend money. You, God is asking you to do something different. You feel like God is limiting you. God is taken from you, but God is trying to help you experience freedom. But the problem is, Freedom is unfamiliar. It's un, it's uncharted territory for you. And so it's going to require you to come out your comfort zone. It's going to require you to drop some friends. It's going to require you to move to a different location. It's going to require you to go to school and nobody else has been to school. But the question is, how important is freedom or will you stick to captivity because it's what's familiar, it's what's comfortable or what seems comfortable to you because it's all that you've ever known? And for a lot of us, if we all go into a room, how many of you go into a room, 100 people, and you know five of them, what are you naturally going to do? You're going to gravitate to what you know. And likewise is with your traditions. Likewise, it is with your thinking. Likewise, it is with the way that you live. You gravitate to what you know. And so as a believer, this is what I want you to do. We must question everything we have ever experienced and believed and compared to the word of God. So me growing up the way I did, right? My, I, my parents didn't tithe growing up. And when I started tithing and I talked to my mom about tithing, uh, she's like, you give the church all that money? I'm like, I'm not giving the church that money. What I am doing is being obedient to God. And this is, a, this is a way of seed, time, and harvest. And I understand that if the Lord says that if I give to him, if I, he'll open up the windows of heaven for me. He will rebuke the devourer for my sake. So I am giving this because the Lord asked for it and I love God. And so because of that, I had to make a decision. Do I keep doing what my family has done so I can get what I've seen my family get? Or do I now do something different because I want a different outcome? Because you can't keep sowing the same seeds expecting a different result. I, I made a post the other day where Farmer John sowed cantaloupe seeds or, or, or whatever seeds it was. Farmer John sowed seeds in 2022. Former John didn't like his harvest. So in 2023, former John expected a different harvest, but he sowed the same seed and former John was still disappointed with his harvest. Why? Harvest doesn't change until the seed changes. And so what we want are different outcomes without understanding that we're grasping on to captivity because we are afraid to walk into the freedom that God has given us. I was afraid to have more money because I didn't know how I was going to tell my family no when they wanted to borrow money and I had it. I didn't know how I was going to tell my friends no when I, they wanted money and I, and I had it and I, and I just didn't give it to them. And so you got to ask yourself, 
Why don't I want to experience the freedom that God has given me? What's keeping me from experiencing the health that God has given me? Is it the fact that it is is that I don't want to give up pork? Is it the fact I don't want to give up beef? Is it is it the fact I don't want to get up and go walking? Because what we realize, what we want God to do be is a genie in a bottle. We want to go to God on our knees and pray and rub this in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son. Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost, I thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. And magically, we want healing to show up. We want miracles, but we're not willing to put in the work. And the Lord says, hey, you can have healing, but it looks like this. Healing looks like you eating vegetarian. Healing looks like you eating whole grain. Healing looks like you going to the gym in the morning. Healing looks like you drinking water and giving up sodas. you like, oh God, that can't be the freedom that God wants from me because that freedom looks like it's taking something from me. And as long as your perspective about freedom looks like freedom is a taker, you would never be able to walk in what God has for you. God is never taking anything from you that you don't need to live your best life. If he tells you to give up boo, Boo ain't what you need to live your best life. If he tells you to give up meat, meat ain't what you need to live your best life. But if you say, if you like, well, well, because I'm whole grain plant-based and, and people like, Marlo, how you, how you not eat meat? Easy. I don't put it in my mouth. I don't buy it. That's how I don't eat meat. But don't you crave it? Yeah. My kids just ate chicken. I wanted a piece of chicken, but you know what? I understand to manifest freedom and maintain the freedom that the Lord has given me. There's a certain way I must live. And so what you got to understand is that I can't let other people and the way they live dictate to me how I live because the way God wants me to experience freedom may look different from the way he has asked somebody else to experience freedom. All right, let's keep going. Captivity will never be seen as bondage until there is contradicting information that challenges what you know. See, if you would have told me in 2001 that you, Ralph Marlowe, would be working and you would be making six digits, I was like, you lying. Why? Because I had never seen anybody. I don't and Prescott make six digits. It was something I wasn't familiar with. What I was familiar with was week to week. What I was familiar with was robbing Peter to pay Paul. What I was familiar with was waiting till your income taxes come to kind of ball out a little bit, right? That's what I was familiar with. So if you had told me that then, then I would just be like, you lying, it ain't possible. But let me tell you what fixed it for me. When I went to, when I drove up the hill to the University of Arkansas, I encountered people who made more money in a month than my family made in a year. I, my environment began to change. I saw houses that had three and four garages. I saw, I saw black marriages and they liked each other. And so before you realize that this contradicting information, this new environment was beginning to cause me to begin to think about something different. And so until your captivity, until you get some contradicting information and you're willing to entertain it, you will always stay in captivity. And that's why the Bible says, and we'll talk about it, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. In other words, you stay where you're at because you refuse to learn something new. You refuse to go to a new environment. You refuse to let somebody else tell you something. You're not humble. You don't listen to nobody. And because of that, you don't let anybody challenge. You don't let information challenge what you know. And so when I came to Abundant Life, which is now FOC, the word was there. Pastor John and Pastor Edwin never let us settle. But still people settled. Why? Because what did I tell you? It's not the word that changes you. It's the word that you choose to believe and implement into your life that changes you. Because how many of you know broke people in the church? 
How many of you know people that are sick in the church? How many of you know people that are struggling in the church? It's not the word that you hear that changes you. It's the word that you hear, believe, and implement that changes you. Because if all if, if, if it was just the word that we hear, we'll all be making six digits. Because how many times has Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean told us that, right? If it was just the word that we hear, nobody will be suffering from depression and, 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 and mental illness. Why? Because we've already, Pastor Sundra and prayer and all the prayer team, they pray over there and they declare that. You got to choose to believe and you got to choose to walk out something different. And the way that you do that is that you engulf yourself with new information that contradicts how you think. That's why the Bible says to study to show yourself approved. You got to spend enough time in the word of God until the way that you think is contrary to the word of God is drowned and choked out by the word. I got to spend so much time learning about healing that, that all I know is that I'm healed and the fact that I'm sick isn't even a possibility. I got to spend so much time in the word about understanding financial freedom and prosperity that being broke is no longer an option. It's not even something I entertain. Why? Because the word of God will choke out poverty if you let it. How do I let it? I spend time in it and I choose to believe it. Because I, I bet you can ask April right now. I mean, we, we, we grew up one way. And here's the thing. Once you get to a better place, you can't just put up camp and stay there. Why? Because God is always calling us to something better. All right. Go ahead and type this for me. Say, coming out of captivity requires a conscious effort. Coming out of captivity will require my conscious effort. You won't, you won't get free by accident, sweetheart. You won't get free by accident. Getting free will require your conscious effort. And nobody can get you free except you. See, I can drag somebody to freedom. When Moses led the children of Israel out of, uh, of Egypt, he was go taking them out. And then when they saw a tough time, what did they want to do? They murmured and complained. It was like, you should have just let us stay in Egypt. Why? Because it's, it's what was familiar to them. And the moment it seemed like something was different, the moment freedom seemed like it was going to cost them something, the moment freedom seemed like it was creating turmoil, the moment they got to a place they were unfamiliar with, they wanted to resort back to what they knew because it was comfortable to them and it was something they knew. And that's why captivity could become your friend if you let it. And you will want to run away from freedom and go back to bondage simply because it's something you know. And the thing that you got to know about the human mind is that it's always going to be attracted to what it already knows. Going back to the example of going into a room of 100 people. If you know five people, you're not running to the 95 people that you don't know. You run to the thing that's familiar. And so that's why you got to make the word of God familiar. That's why you got to pray an hour every day in the tongues every day. That's why you got to read your word every day. Why? Because your brain is wired to protect you. How does it protect you? Well, let me do a risk assessment. Even though this relationship is not good for me, it is predictable. I know that he may hit me or she may cuss me out. I know that they may cheat or they may do this. I know that's their cycle and I can deal with the cycle of ups and downs in my relationship because it's predictable. It's familiar. It's what my mama went through. It's what I've been through in multiple relationships. It is what I know. I can deal with it. And even though it's crazy, I've been here before. It's familiar. And when the Lord brings you a good man or a good woman, you find a way to say that this isn't good because it's 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 it's, it's mundane. I don't want no boring man. I don't I don't want a man. I mean, I want spontaneity. I want all this, baby. You can ask anybody that's been married for a long time. 
You can ask any company that's been around for a long time. They ain't out there changing their vision and mission, mission statement every month. They ain't out there trying to do new things all the time. The basis of where they're going stays the same. See, your, your desire to always have new causes you to uh, be in situations that you don't need to be in. Let me see, because I texted when I was at the, this morning. Let me let me find it so I could uh, read it to you exactly. This is what the Lord says. He says, your desire for excitement and spontaneity creates unpleasant outcomes that fulfill your desires for difference. You got to get used to the mundane, the typical, the planned things. They are all great aspects of successful relationships and businesses. You can't always want change that's unrealistic. And for many of you, that's why, because it's like, you just want me to read this word every day? He says, don't despise repetitive teaching. I need to read, the, you just want, this is what you want me to do, God? You just want me to drink water and go to the gym and mind my business? Yes. Oh, that's so boring, God. How's that going to bring me freedom? Because you ain't going to have no mess. And, and, and I use my mom as an example. She's going to be with the Lord now, but I use her example. My mom came and lived with me. When my mom lived with me, she was responsible for nothing but breathing and taking care of herself. I paid all of her bills. I made, made sure she ate. My mom was getting off medicine that she had been taking for years. She was doing great. And she was manifesting both financial freedom and freedom in her body. But my mom was 50 something years old and all she had known was struggle. All she had known was chaos. All she had known was having issues with, 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 with my little sister sometimes and other people in our family. And she began to ask me, Ralph, when you gonna get me my own place? I'm like, mama, you can stay here forever. We ain't tripping. Like, like, stay here and enjoy your grandkid. The only kid I had at the time was Aiden. Just chill. But being free and not having anything to gossip about, not having anything to, to be engaged with and stressed over, that wasn't familiar. And she began to pull away from freedom to get back to what she knew. And ultimately, it, had, it was detrimental to her life. And so when, when I was talking to God about that, he's like, so many people access freedom and then get to this place and it's just different and they run back to what they knew because that's, that brings them a sense of comfort, safety and security, even though it's poverty, even though it's abusive, even though it's lacking, even though it's turmoil. And what I'm telling you now is that God has a better life for you. But you got to be willing to stick to doing it his way. Say this, say, I'm committed to my freedom. I'm committed to my freedom. I'm committed to my freedom. But this is what you got to know about freedom. Freedom will always escape those that see it as a taker and not a giver. Freedom will always escape those who see it as a taker and not a giver. See, when the Lord told me that diabetes was temporary, I was like, okay, Lord, hallelujah. You know what we do. We shout, we thank you, Lord, I thank you that this is temporary. This won't be with me always. I thank you that I'm the healed of the Lord. I thank you that my, my, my pancreas and all this stuff operates the way it's supposed to be. And, and all this, and the Lord's like, go work out. I thank you, Lord, that I'm good, right? I just shout more. I give more. And so you thinking you're giving more, you're shouting more, you're worshiping more, you're praying more. None of those sacrifices, because they're sacrifices at that point, outweigh your obedience to the word of going to the gym, outweigh your obedience to the word of changing your diet, outweigh your obedience to the word of getting the new job, outweigh the obedience to the word of getting a therapist, outweigh your obedience to the word of drinking water and giving up sodas. 
or getting off caffeine. You got high blood pressure. Caffeine increases blood pressure. But every morning you got to have a cup of coffee and you drink a cup of sodas a day and then you throw some Red Bulls back. And you're wondering why your blood pressure is out of control. See, God shouldn't have to always tell you everything. You should be able to see some things for yourself. Selah, think on that. So if science says that the consumption of salt increases high blood pressure, but you don't change your consumption of salt after the doctor told you you had high blood pressure, then you are making a conscious choice to embrace a diagnosis when you could simply just give up salt. The Lord don't got to tell you to give up salt. The same way the Lord doesn't tell you to stop at that red light. You do it because it keeps you safe. But you're willing to stop at a red light because you don't want to get hit by another car. But you're not willing to give up salt because you want to keep taking a pill to manage your blood pressure that gives you the side effect. And now for, for men, that your, 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 your sexual life is impacted because you got issues because you're taking all these pills. And, and you, you now you're sad and you're depressed because stuff don't work right when all you could have done is just gave up the salt. Give up sugar too, Tina says. And so, so many times, but you like, my daddy took blood pressure and he lived blood pressure pills. He lived to 80. Well, you know, I'm, I have a tendency to say things just as they are. Well, live that way then. That's a choice you make. But what I'm telling you, there's a freedom available that you don't have. I'm not anti-medicine if, 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 at all. I take whatever the, the doctor's tell me to take, and I feel like God says to do it, right? We're not anti-medicine. But what I am telling you is that we are using medicine at times to treat us for things that we can manifest, that the word has already given us the ability to manifest if we live by. Because now you're talking about you don't got enough money because you got to buy all this medicine, right? But you got to take this medicine because how your weight is causing your pressure on your joints. Well, lose weight. And, and I'm not saying that like it's just super easy, right? But what I am saying is that God will give you ideas and things, but you can't see freedom as something that's taking something from you. Freedom ain't taking food from you. Freedom is giving you decades on your life. Freedom ain't taking food from you. Freedom is letting you live old enough to hold your grandkids. Freedom ain't taking uh, cupcakes from you. Freedom is letting you have eyesight so that you don't have glaucoma later on. Freedom, see, it just depends on how you see, how, what's your perspective. Freedom is not a taker. Freedom is a giver. It is a giver of abundance. It's a giver of a peace. It's a giver of a, a, a sound mind. It's a giver of healthy relationships. But you won't ask access freedom as long as you see it as taking something from you. But you won't see it as freedom as taking anything if you don't get new knowledge. And, and the truth of it is, is that so many of us just want Savior. We don't want Jesus as Lord. And because you are, you feel he, he asks you too much. So yeah, Lord, you can save me and my eternity is good. But right now on earth, I want to kick it loud like I want to kick it. I, I want to do what I want to do. And see, if that's your mentality, captivity most likely will mo uh, be your friend in certain areas of your life. All right. So. And here, here's a point that I want you to understand. You got to agree with captivity to stay in it. You have to agree with it. Captivity just don't come on you and, 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 and hold you captive unless you let it. And I'm going to give you a scripture to let you know how I can tell you that. Psalms 8, verses 4 through 6. It says, What is a mortal that you remember him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than yourself. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him rule what your hands created. You have put everything under his control. 
So if kept, if, if every verse six says you have made him rule what your hands created, what did the hands of God create? It created the heavens and the earth, right? We know he and, and he did all that in Genesis one. And he put a man in the earth and he made man a little lower than himself. And he's crowned him with glory and honor. And he says, everything that my hands have created, I have given man rule over. I have put everything under his control. So that means in order for me to be captive, I must be willing to stay captive because captivity does not have control over me. See, the enemy, you, the enemy has no right to keep you broke. He has no right to keep you depressed. I have to come in agreement with those things by believing they belong to me in order for them to stay. But baby, let's say, Matthew 13 and 15 says that anytime you see, you hear and understand, you should be converted. Let tonight be your conversion night. Let tonight be the night that we're all converted, that our eyes see and our ears are open to hear, that our hearts receive, that I don't have to be captive anymore, that I'm coming out of captivity. I'm conquering captivity. I am using the word of God to help me walk into the freedom that he died on the cross for me to have, that I don't have to be broke any longer. I don't have to have depression any longer. I don't have to be sick any longer. I don't have to have poor relationships any longer, that just because mama had it don't mean I got to have it. Just because grandpapa had it doesn't mean I have to have it. Just because every other black man had it doesn't mean I got to do it. Just because everybody else got divorce don't mean I'm getting a divorce. Baby, it ends with me. Why? Because I'm just like God. He has made me just a little lower than himself. I am just like God. He says, let me make him in my image, right? And then he gave us the power. He says, I'm going to give you the power to do what? Multiply, subdue, replenish. He told us to go do that. He says that the same spirit that lived inside of me now lives in you. He breathed into us his Holy Spirit. And so I break up with captivity. I break up with every thought that don't align with the kingdom. Well, how will I know it doesn't align with the kingdom? I read my word. I listen to the word. Why? Because you got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. At some point, you got to say enough is enough. I am tired of being broke. I am tired of making $100,000. Baby, I'm going to two fifty. I am tired of making $40,000. I'm going to $100,000. Wherever you are, there is more. There's more. No matter where you find yourself, there is more. Why? Because you can't bankrupt heaven. I'm tired of taking three-day vacations. I'm ready for a seven-day vacation. I'm ready. I'm tired of seeing two, five, six people in my family die and don't know Jesus or die of this disease or die of that disease. I am taking my family back. Psalms 115 and 16. Let's keep moving so we can try to get through tonight. Well, we ain't going to get through. We're on page two. All right, Psalms 115 and 16. The highest heaven belongs to the Lord, but he has given the earth to who? To the Lord, to descendants of Adam. Who's that? That's, if you didn't know, that's you, right? That's you. Why? You got to agree with captivity to stay. If you tell captivity to go, it's going to go. Now, when you tell it to go, when you get in faith, you got to understand that God will give you a plan of action. And you got to choose if you see that freedom that he has for you as a taker or you see it as a provider of something better. So what we understand is this. Many people live in captivity because of ignorance. Like I said, if you take people in remote parts of Africa who hasn't been accessed, who haven't to have, I mean, not Africa, but anywhere, remote parts of the world who don't have access to internet and things like that, they would love the life they live because they don't see anything different. And I'm not saying that's, that, that's wrong, but the more you are exposed to stuff, the more you like, oh, there's more out there. Oh, I see, I see black couples that like each other and they marry and they make money. 
and they like each other and they've been married because that for me that was important i i mean when i came to fairville i mean i saw black people i in prescott i knew one or two people that were black and married and liked each other and so now i'm on year 20. i like april marlowe i love april marlowe why because you you got to put yourself in position to get new information Hosea 4 and 6 says this, my people are destroyed because they have no knowledge. Now he's talking here to the priest. He says, you priests have refused to learn. So I'll refuse to let you be priests for me. You have forgotten the law of your God. So I will forget your children. So what you got to understand is that your ignorance will cost the next generation. Your ignorance your let your 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 lack of knowledge and this is what i'll tell you your lack of implementation of knowledge that you wisdom will cause the next generation and so there as though consequences are consequences they're neither good or bad the consequence to me going to the gym and and eating this way i've lost 20 pounds my blood pressure is great. I don't take any diabetic medication, any blood pressure medication, any cholesterol pill. I don't take nothing now except water and healthy food. That's a consequence. But the consequence of me going to and eating cake and the consequence of me going and consuming large amounts of carbohydrates that are not healthy, simple carbs, the consequences of me doing that will make will cause will be negative. So a consequence is neutral. But here's the thing. The more I live a good life, the better life, then my floor, my ceiling becomes the floor for my kids. And so if you look at that scripture, he says, I have forgotten the law of your God, so I will forget your children. The decisions that we are making today as people, as parents, it is impacting our kids. And so we got to make decisions that make the next generation better. All right. So real quick, we got a few more minutes together. How does the enemy deceive us? Satan's deception. We're going to talk about two of them real quick. All right. He makes bondage seem acceptable. All right. So, you know, when evil's in the garden, when evil's in the garden, uh, Satan was like, hey, you know, Eve, God didn't really say that. You, you, you'll be all right. I mean, go ahead and, and, and do that. You good. And see, that's why it's important to know your work because what he'll be like, oh, you know, you got to test drive that car before you buy it. You got to try them shoes on before you wear them. And you like, everybody else is out there having sex. No, they're not. Everybody ain't out there having sex that ain't married. Not everybody. So, but if the, if the world can normalize sex before marriage, if the world can normalize chewing some, uh, 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 taking drugs here or there, if the world can normalize going out to the parties and getting drunk, if the world normalize that and you're not cautious about taming your team, you'll be with a group of people that accept you for who you are while it's co totally contradictory to the way God wants you to live. And so you got to understand that bondage is not acceptable. And we can't become so normalized to this world that we don't that we forget about what the scripture says. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. So I can't let the world standard for living cause me to live outside of what God desires for me to live. The enemy wants to make it seem acceptable. And you think about now, uh, we're not going to go into it, but I, I live, I'm 40 years old. And I've lived long enough to see that things that were absolutely unacceptable in the past, people are just living just grossly in contradiction to the word. And it's acceptable inside of the church. Like the place that's supposed to be sacred. Anything's going now. It's churches that are promoting things that's contradictory to the word of God. It's pastors preaching things that are contradictory to the word of God. And that's why you got to study the word for yourself. That's why you got to know what God has said. Even when we teach at FOC, you go back and fact check anything we say with the word of God. And if it doesn't line up with the word of God, then you ask questions. Pastor Ralph, when you said that, 
I can't find where it says that in scripture. What are you when you said that? What what's the supporting information that you can provide for me that lines up with that? But so many times we like to run to stuff that sounds good. I saw a post the other day that the Lord that somebody said that the Lord is bringing me through this storm to teach me something. That's a lie. The Lord ain't bringing you through no storm to teach you nothing. Now, you might have been disobedient. Life might have happened and things might have not gone your way. But the Lord is not a taker. He doesn't drag you through a storm and drag you through a mess to teach you no lesson. Your disobedience does that for you. We're in a world where sin exists. Sin does that for you. So we got to understand that the Lord isn't doing that to us. And you got to go read numbers for yourself. If you don't know the story about I'm going Balaam uh, and, and his donkey, right? Making bondage seem acceptable. And, and I don't think I put it in there. Let me let me grab it real quick. What time is it? Because I numbers uh, twenty two. I want to read a scripture here for you. Because this is a story where the Balaam was getting on his, got up and he was getting on his donkey and he was going somewhere. And God was, was very angry with him. And, and he went and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to, to oppose him. So he's going and he gets on his donkey and the, and, the, and the angel of the Lord is like, no, no. And his donkey was like, no, nah, we ain't going over there. I see that angel. And uh, so we ain't going over there. And the donkey went to the Side, and Balaam beat the donkey. And then the Lord was like, and then he got back on the donkey and kept riding, right? And then verse 23 says, when the donkey saw the angel again standing in the road with a sword drawn in his hand, the donkey turned all the way off the road. And then Balaam got off the donkey, beat the donkey again to get back on the path that he was on. And it says the third time, the angel stood in a narrow path in the vineyards uh, with walls on both sides. So the angel pressed up against, I mean, the donkey pressed up against the wall and Balaam's foot got uh, crushed and Balaam beat the donkey again. All right. And it goes on. And then finally, the donkey talked to Balaam. All right. And in verse 30, this is what I want you to look at. The donkey said to Balaam, am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? And Balaam said, no. And then it goes on and Balaam apologizes to the Lord and all that. This is what the Lord told me. Now, our pastors aren't donkeys or anything. But he said, has the word that Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean given you not brought you, made you better in this area? Heck, you came to this church because your relationship was broken. Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean coached your marriage back up. Pastor Ed and Pastor Sean helped the word they gave you, helped you get a better job. And so what I want to tell you, for some of you partners, I want y'all to be right here with me. Is the word, verse 30, is the word that Pastor Sean gave you, is that not the word that it improved your life? Is that not the word that improved your marriage? But now they're telling you to fast. Are they not now? Are, they, are you going to beat them now? Are you going to talk about them now? Are they not the same pastors that you were, that you were, uh, these are the best pastors in the world on this side of heaven, but now you got a word of correction. You want to get rid of the pastor like Balaam wanted to get rid of the donkey. The God says part of the reason you are in captivity is that you are unwilling to hearken to words of other people which brings us to our close. What are the pathways to freedom? I jumped the gun. Number six is community and accountability. We're going we're gonna to skip number six and we're going to come back. It is community and accountability because you can't pick and choose what word you want to apply in your life and expect 100% because we believe in total life prosperity. Total TLP does not happen for the person who picks and chooses what words that come out of their pastor's mouth that they choose to obey. So if it's the month of fasting in December, I don't care about all the Christmas parties. I don't care about Luke Debbie's Christmas cakes. If it's fasting, it is fasting. Why? Because that same word that in 2001 
that held me, that same word in 2003 that helped keep my marriage together, that same word that helped me and April get to a better position in our finances, is that not the same person speaking that word now? Did they miss God then? No, they ain't missing God now. So I follow that. And the Lord says that so many partners, I want, I'm not even sure if I call you partners, so many people that listen to the word, you're so quick to beat the donkey. You're so quick to just throw away the word. And like that donkey said to Balaam, am I not the same one when your mother died that showed up and helped counsel you through when you did not know how you was going to make it? Am I not the same one when that man left you and we, we, we helped you with benevolence and we walked you through that and now you're holding your singleness and now you're on your second marriage and living your best life and now I bring a word that you don't like. Am I not the same one? Is God not the same God? You trusted God for the marriage. You trusted God for the healing. But now God ain't capable of doing this? He's the same God. And they the same pastors. But if you don't have community and accountability, you will experience captivity. Your tribe matters. Your church matters. Tame your team, right? Your team matters. So how do I access the pathway to freedom? I got to resist captivity. Go back to number one, say it. I'm going to go through these real quick. I got to resist captivity. That's number one. The path of freedom, I must resist captivity. Galatians 5 and 1 says it this way. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is my job to tame my thoughts, my team, my heart, and my tongue. I have to not let myself be burdened. I got to understand that when life, that things will happen. In life, there'll be unwanted uh, circumstances that occur. I got to be anxious for nothing. I got to know that God will work out everything for my better. I got to understand that I bring everything to God. I cast all my cares on him. I got to understand that I cannot let myself be burdened. I exchange my burden for God's God's peace. I exchange my yoke, his yoke, which is life, right? I take that. So how do y'all resist captivity? I set boundaries. As a married man, I have no business having long drawn out conversations with people, women that my wife and, and think putting myself in a position that's compromising. Now for some men, they may have best friends that are women. That's not my testimony. I don't have a best friend that's a woman, but you gotta set boundaries. I ain't buying cake at my house. You know why? Because I said about at part of me not letting myself be burdened. It's hard to be burdened with wanting to eat sweets when sweets don't live in your house. See, if you just don't buy the gallon of sweet tea, you won't drink the gallon of sweet tea. Why? Because you set a boundary for it not to be in your house. If you just delete his number, you won't have to worry about the booty calls because you won't ever get them because you won't ever be notified of it. See, part of you wants that and you're not willing to resist captivity by setting a boundary. Number two, you got to die to yourself. Romans 6 and 7 says, for one who has died has been set free from sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. I got to die to myself. My feelings, my flesh, none of that matters. What matters is kingdom. What matters is freedom. What matters is manifesting the things of God. What matters is other people. What matters is me being a reflection, a perfect reflection of the glory of God in the earth. Number three, I got to live honorably. First Peter 2 says it this way. I didn't put them in there. Say it. It's not there. Not the whole scripture. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of the state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has set them, sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that you, you live honorable lives should, and that your lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish acquisitions against you. Man, this has set some of y'all free right here. Go ahead and type this. Say, I don't always got to say something to do something. 
I don't always oh I don't always have to respond. I don't always have to respond. So many times you want to match people's energy. You know what I told y'all last, and I said I think I said in the comments, I don't match people's energy, I match God's character. And so you you don't gotta match people's energy energy. Verse 15 says, it is God's will that your honorable lives will put to silence those ignorant people who make foolish acquisitions against you. Just keep on living for God. Baby, it'll come out. You don't got to go out there and defend all that. God has already fought the battle for you. You don't got to go out there and keep fighting and telling people this and telling people that. You just live honorable honorably, and it will silence those ignorant people. Verse 16 says, for you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect to everyone. See, this is what you got to understand, that the obligation to honor and the obligation to respect people is not one I get to choose whether I participate in or not. The word told me to respect everyone. The word told me to honor everyone. And he says, love the family of believers. So many times we we reap this honor because we sow it because we don't feel people are worthy. The Bible doesn't say if you feel they're worthy, respect them. If you feel like they deserve to be loved, to love them. It tells, it commands us, respect who? Everybody. And love the family of believers. So I don't get a choice whether I want to be respectful or not. But Pastor Ralph, what are they disrespectful to me? I don't get a choice whether I'll be respectful or not. Now, I'm not telling you 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 can't correct things and things like that. But I don't get to step outside of character because somebody else does. That doesn't put me on a path to freedom. Number four, I got to recognize and reject bondage. How do I do that? I renew my mind, Romans 12 and 2. We are transformed by renewing our minds, rejecting the world's patterns and embracing God's truth. I got to resist the devil, James 4 and 7. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he's going to do what? Flee. Submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee. And where it says devil, it could be anything. Submit to God, all right, resist the disease, it'll flee. How do I resist the disease? Well, simply, I do research and I find out, I I get in faith. I say, God, what's the plan of action for me to be delivered from X, Y, and Z? And he gives you a plan of action. He gives you wisdom, right? He gives you strength to endure the change comes. He gives you favor. And then he performs a miracle if he needs to. Right. But most of the time for deliverance, if we walk out what God told us to walk out, we'll see the freedom that God has for us. But we have to resist the devil. All right. Number five, embrace Christ's liberty. The truth sets us free. Uh, John 8, 31 and 32, it says, abide in Jesus' word, knowing the truth will set you free. What is the truth? The truth is the word of God. So if I live in the word of God, I will experience the freedom God has for me. In 2 Corinthians 3, 17, it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Walking in the spirit leads you to liberty. So if I am willing, so I embrace, embrace Christ's liberty, I embrace freedom, I come out of captivity, I conquer captivity by listening to Holy Spirit. Listen and do. We like the word hearken. The word hearken means to listen and do. Because if Pastor Chris is my doctor and Pastor Chris said, hey, hey, Ralph, look, man, you need to go get X, Y, and Z checked out. And I leave the doctor's office and I don't go get X, Y, and I pray. And the Lord says, go do it. And I don't get X, Y, and Z checked out. That is me embracing my captivity. That is me embracing my captivity. Somebody asked for number four. There you go, Miss Lewis. Number four is on the screen. Recognizing and rejecting bondage. All right. Number five was embracing Christ's liberty. And then number six, we talked about first, which was community and accountability. 
All right, community and accountability. Guys, I love you. And, and I'm talking to myself too. We get awesome word at Fellowship of Champions. Our pastors hear from God. They, they, I mean, I just think about over the last five years, the word of God, the words that Pastor Edwin have gotten and Pastor Sharon have gotten concerning the things that are happened from one year to the next, right? Those things that happen and, and how we've been prepared, even before uh, the pandemic hit, the word that we have to believe and to replay, all of that, man, we were prepared if you hearken to the word. In the pandemic, a lot of people went backwards. Man, my money went forward. I came out of the pandemic way better than I went in. Right? Weight financially, mental health-wise, way better. And so what I'm telling you, freedom is available, but you got to choose freedom. And if you don't choose freedom consciously, then by default, you're going to choose captivity because your mind is always going to go to what's easy and what's familiar. Because you got to understand that even if God tells you you can make 100000 and you get there and you don't do what the next step God, because God ain't going to ask you to get to a certain point and then just let you settle. He is always about increase. He wants you to have freedom. He wants you to be able to bring other people into the kingdom. And so you may be making $100,000 as an employee, but he's trying to get you to $100,000 as a business owner. He's trying to, because when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. He's trying to get you to take a promotion so that you can hire people that will be godly in this department. And this whole department will be blessed because you're in leadership, but you're just selling for being where you are because you don't see that you're qualified. You don't see that you're capable. And God's saying, I need righteous people in authority. I need righteous lawyers. I need righteous judges. I need righteous politicians. I need righteous teachers. I need righteous people in pharmaceutical sales. I need righteous people in, in cosmetology. I need righteous people everywhere. But you don't want to submit to God in the area that he's called you to to be up to govern in because you want to be over here being a doctor when God told you to be a lawyer. You want to be the pastor when God told you to lead a children's ministry. You want to be greeting when God told you to be in a uh, parking lot. And so you don't bring freedom in places that you're being disobedient. You're out of order. You're out of order. And here's it. I mean, let me rephrase that. You, you could be a blessing to somebody there while you yourself not being blessed because you are out of order. I mean, think about it. It's pastors and stuff living, not living their best life. The word that they're sharing, they may not even believe it themselves, but the people that listen to it are getting delivered from it. But because they don't apply it and live it themselves, then they're not even receiving from God what they're teaching. And so you got to understand that my obedience and my hearkening to the word is the key to me living my best life. And tonight's tonight, my conversion night. Lord, I see, I hear, and I understand, and I choose to be converted. I will not be captive any longer. That's right. Come home. Where's home? Freedom. There's no lack in heaven. Heaven has body parts. Heaven has finances. Heaven has everything that you need. So come home. So if you don't know Jesus, your Lord, and your personal Savior, or you like, you know what, Pastor Ralph, I've been violated. You know, I've been, I've been over here. I didn't realize it, that I had just got comfortable with having a mediocre relationship. I've gotten comfortable with disobedient kids. I've gotten comfortable being sick and taking this medicine. I see where my where 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 I've accepted captivity because it's familiar to me. It's what I've known. And I'm tired of that. And tonight I I conquer captivity. Tonight I take my freedom back. I take my freedom back. I take my freedom back. And so if that's you tonight, say so I take my freedom back. I, I take freedom in every area of my life. All right. And so I pray tonight that you, you walk into the fullness 
of the liberty that God has given you. I pray that your eyes of understanding that you, I pray that Holy Spirit reveals to you areas in your life that you are accepting captivity where he has already given you liberty and freedom. I pray that once you see that thing, that you understand it and that you ask God for a plan of action. I pray that you hear God in specific detail concerning the plan of action that it is to manifest the freedom that he has already purchased on your behalf. I declare that you hear God and obey him immediately. I can, I declare that you confer no longer with flesh and blood, even your own flesh. But you hear the Holy Spirit and you do what he says, how he says, when he says, the way he says. And I declare that liberty manifests quickly in your life. And the Lord says that he will bring restoration quickly. And don't be like the prodigal son. Don't be like, oh, I walked away, Lord, and I quit the job. Or I was disobedient, so I just settled for this. God is restoring you back to the place you should have been had you obeyed him the whole time. So don't settle for anything left. He'll restore you back. The same way the prodigal son came home and the father put on a robe and had a party, God wants you, God got a party plan for you. When you come back home and accept the liberty in your finances, accept the liberty in your mind, accept the liberty in your body, just come home and God's going to give it all to you. It's already yours, but you got to be obedient. You got to choose God over family. You got to choose God over people. You got to choose God over yourself. You must submit to doing it his way. All right. Well, I love y'all. Y'all know the announcements. I'll see y'all on Friday. i see y'all November the 12th for the huddle. i see your kids on November the 11th for Victory Zone. Uh, I'll see you on November the uh, 14th for Relationships 101. Y'all know it. Y'all, we, we say it every time. So I'm going to get out of here. Tonight, I love y'all. Y'all be blessed, and I will see y'all Friday morning. Bye-bye.